whistleblower report exposing lies deceptions and all that has assaulted our way of life we must take back our freedom and live as god designed in a free america that honors our constitution and our creator our experts in medicine, ministry, law, military, environment, and education empower us to grow together as a nation. For such a time as this, the Whistleblower Report offers truth and solutions. Welcome to the Whistleblower Report, and this is the military segment with Dr. Lee for America and my guest, Colonel Tom Remfworth, U.S. Air Force veteran, combat pilot, and now a commercial, commercial airline pilot as well, still serving America and our country. And Colonel Remfworth is actually unique person to be talking about repairing the damage to our current military service members who have been so damaged with persecution and punishment and termination from the military with less than honorable discharges for many who did not want to experiment with their bodies with the experimental gene therapy COVID shots. And they had the right to refuse it. They had the right under UCMJ. They had the right under the Constitution. And it was never an FDA-approved product available for our military, which is actually what the Secretary of Defense had mandated, was that the service members would be required to get a fully licensed FDA-approved COVID vaccine. But that doesn't exist And the Department of Defense and the military leadership pushed the mandate forward anyway, even though the products they had available did not comply with the order. And even though they were still experimental and Pfizer and the FDA knew about the damage from the clinical trial that was very limited, but nevertheless, they knew about the risk of death. They knew about the risk of myocarditis. They knew about the risk of cancers, blood clotting, and all of the neurologic and other damage that we've been seeing with the COVID shots. That was not disclosed. So how do we fix the problem with service members who've been unjustly and unlawfully terminated from the military, have lost their jobs, their careers, their livelihoods, and America's military readiness and military fitness has been decimated at a time of rising world tensions and the need for a strong military. How does this get fixed? And what can Congress do? And more importantly, what can the American people do to put pressure on our elected officials to do the right thing and repair the damage? And that's what Colonel Remfer is going to be discussing with us tonight, because there is the opportunity before Congress goes home for the Christmas break to put language in 
the National Defense Authorization Act for 2024 to address the damage to the military and not just talk a good game, but take action to hold the Department of Defense leadership accountable. That's what's needed. That's the focus of our discussion. And Colonel Renfer is in an ideal position to give us more details from the military perspective, having been a career military Air Force officer and having been a lead plaintiff on the anthrax court case from 20 years ago when the Department of Defense did the same thing with the investigational anthrax vaccine that caused so much damage to the military 20 years ago. And Colonel Renfer went through all of that and it took him almost two decades to get his military record corrected and his proper promotion in place, which he accomplished. But it shouldn't take 15 to 20 years to correct the records when the Department of Defense has not followed the law. So Colonel Renfer, thank you for joining us. Thank you so much. I mean, our our gratitude for your service to our country while in the military and your service to, to our country and our citizens now as a commercial pilot at the time of the pilot shortage is very much appreciated. And certainly you bring many years of flying experience to all that you're doing now. So we're grateful to have you out there. Thanks for joining us tonight. Well, thank you, Dr. Lee. I appreciate the, uh, the gracious introduction and, um, you know, the the gratitude um, that you expressed, I mean, that's what I feel. Um, the only reason I'm, I'm still concerned about these issues today is I am so grateful that uh, I was able to serve my nation. I was able to get all that training. It, it translated into my civilian career. I'm, I was very fortunate. And I want those same kind of opportunities to continue uninter- uninterrupted for um, our current service members and for over 8,000 service members that um, most recently were removed from the military over um, the illegal uh, vaccine uh, mandates. And so um, so I appreciate you giving me an opportunity and, and with the introduction, you kind of gave a little bit of a perspective that I have some history with the anthrax vaccine. Uh, the good news is there 25 years ago, we, we had a similar dilemma, um, identical in many ways. A lot of patterns uh, played out the same. And ultimately, we were able to get that program declared illegal, enjoined by the federal courts with an injunction. Uh, and we essentially uh, forced the government to, to do it properly. They did get the vaccine licensed after years of saying that it was safe, effective, and FDA approved. Um, and in, in reality, we challenged from the very beginning, you know, five years prior to the to the court um, uh, conclusions uh, that the vaccine was not properly licensed. And the Congress had put into place um, a law called 10 U.S.C. 1107. And that law specifically said that soldiers couldn't be experimented on. They had to be given their prior consent rights for investigational drug products or you could use the term experimental uh, or you could just use the term unapproved. You know, that's probably the most clear cut um, term. 
And after we won that court case, then what the Department of Defense and Food and Drug Administration did was they created a new law called the Emergency Use Authorization. And so they created a new subset of Title 10 of the law, which deals with the military, uh, called Section 1107A. And it basically said the same thing, that an emergency use authorized product, meaning a product that is unapproved, cannot be mandated. It has to be uh, a situation where it's voluntary. Soldiers have to be given their prior consent rights. Uh, there is a provision where the president can waive those rights, but it didn't happen. It didn't happen um, 25 years ago, and it didn't happen two years ago uh, for the uh, current situation that the military is still trying to dig itself out of. Um, so they never exercised the presidential waiver, and therefore they could not mandate unapproved um, drug products. Uh, all the vaccines uh, were unapproved. And um, at one point, they did create an approval uh, kind of on paper. Uh, they never actually produced or, or uh, had show up in the marketplace the approved product. Uh, all they had was emergency use authorized product. Every vial in every pharmacy, in every Walgreens and CVS, uh, every place, it was emergency use authorized product. Every soldier through the end of the mandate deadlines it was only emergency use uh, authorized product. And therefore they all had to be given their prior consent rights. And it's not like the Department of Defense didn't know what it was doing. Uh, prior to the fraudulent uh, hocus pocus uh, FDA approvals that occurred in August of 2021, the military was not mandating the vaccines. And they were specifically saying, we can't because it's emergency use authorized. Unfortunately, they took the bait and they went ahead and ran with a mandatory program after the uh, Food and Drug Administration announced a approval uh, for the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine. But within a day, they reissued the emergency use authorization. And of course, what matters is, is uh, what the product says. And the products all said emergency use authorized on them. So there was no FDA uh, approved product available to the military. Therefore, they had to be given their uh, prior consent rights. Um, and then uh, uh, as far as kind of the legality aspect, I'll just take it one step further since many are kind of illegality shy. They don't want to talk about it being illegal. And, and so my approach is that's okay. We can talk about something else like the Department of Defense implementation memo from the Secretary Secretary of Defense, the directive. The directive for the vaccine program said that mandatory, this is a quote, I'm reading right off the letter, mandatory vaccination against COVID-19 will only use COVID-19 vaccines that receive full licensure from the Food and Drug Administration in accordance with FDA approved labeling and guidance. And then it goes on to say, if they are voluntarily immunized with an EUA vaccine, that's that's okay too for this program, voluntarily. So the SECDEF directive was specifically violated by the armed forces, and they ended up pushing the mandate on our troops and to all subordinate levels of the chain of command uh, based on uh, essentially a SECDEF directive that they had violated. So whether or not you want to look at the law and realize that they broke the law, 10 U.S.C. 1107A, you can just look at the SECDEF directive. 
they broke it. It, it. They did not give the troops emergency use authorized product. And so they never should have punished anybody, but they did. They punished, forced out over 8,000 that they admit to. And there's probably a lot more uh, that left um, quietly, early retirements, um, uh, retiring uh, when they didn't really have to, um, soldiers going ahead and not uh, re-enlisting. So we lost a lot of people, probably tens of and tens of thousands of people, but about 8,000 of them actually have standing to say, hey, I left over the vaccine mandate, which I believed was illegal and I wanted to be given my prior consent rights, or I wanted to be given my rights for a religious or a medical exemption, which they also almost universally denied. Many of the court cases that enjoined the Department of Defense mandates actually stopped the mandate based on the fact that they were, were arbitrarily and capriciously denying religious exemptions. Um, at this point, we're kind of at an interesting place where because the federal government um, halted all of the mandates and because the Congress halted the um, Department of Defense mandate with last year's National Defense Authorization Act, we're kind of at an interesting juncture and we can talk about it um, towards the end if we have more time. Uh, but what the courts are doing is they're mooting um, the cases. They are basically vacating the previous decisions because uh, the um, executive has has essentially appealed to them via a writ of certiorari to the courts to say, hey, if you could vacate that, the program's over. There's no reason for um, any of these injunctions anymore. So please vacate the injunction. Um, and uh, that's, that's highly... Um, uh, controversial uh, because normally when a Supreme Court level um, uh, issue like this is taken up uh, as a result of there being splits in the lower courts, uh, they'll actually uh, adjudicate the issue and uh, and and uh, deal with the issue on the merits, but they didn't. They basically just said, well, uh, we're going to moot the case and have the lower courts uh, vacate the injunctions because the uh, federal mandates are over uh, the federal employer mandates uh, been rescinded by the federal government. The large employer mandates been rescinded. The federal contractor mandates been rescinded. And the Congress, in an unprecedented move, rescinded the Department of Defense mandate. So everybody just kind of wants to sweep it under the rug. The president's executive order actually is titled Moving Beyond. Everybody just wants to turn the page. They want to move beyond uh, the mandates. I think the courts do too. So therefore the Supreme Court's not actually ruling on this per se. And instead they're just uh, saying, well, it's not relevant anymore because the mandates are over. That's problematic, but at the same time, uh, nobody has said that those lower court rulings that enjoined the mandate uh, were wrong. Uh, they're just uh, vacating them as a result of the federal mandates being stopped either by the executive branch or by the Congress. Um, but that does not help the service members who were unjust, unjustly and wrongfully terminated from the military and lost their income, their livelihood, their career, and lost GI benefits and medical benefits if they were given a less than honorable discharge. So right. the court is ignoring the fact that the damage continues. Right. And so that's that's was going to be uh, essentially our um, basis for the discussion tonight is who is trying to do something. And 
uh, we'll discuss the National Defense Authorization Act because our Congress is trying to do something. And, and that's good because the law that they put in place, 10 U.S.C. 1107A, that said service members cannot be mandated. They have to have their prior consent for an emergency use authorized drug, which is all they were ever given. And the SECDEF directive says that as well. Um, the Congress put that law in place. So it's a, it's a good thing that the Congress, through the National Defense Authorization Act, I'll just call it NDAA from here, um, they're, they're trying to do something about it. Um, I think it's a half measure. They don't go, go far enough. Uh, there's more work to be done. Um, and uh, the reason why there's more work to be done is because even the, even the military's own rules, uh, the manual for court-martial specifically says um, that an, an order requiring the performance of a military duty or act may be inferred to be lawful and disobeyed at the peril of the subordinate, but that inference does not apply to a patently illegal order. So the order to give soldiers the, uh, the vaccines mandated when the law specifically said it couldn't be mandated uh, was a patently illegal order. Those are the military's own rules. Um, and so I, I think it's really, really important to kind of reflect on that, that there was a reason why the troops did what they did, because they basically were following the manual for court marshals, the UCMJ, their oath of office, their core values, their honor codes. They knew the government was breaking the law, and many soldiers have, have made these arguments. I do think it's a good thing the Congress is trying to do something. For a little piece of history, one year ago, the Congress tried to do something as well. They politely asked the Department of Defense in the Senate and House joint explanatory language for the 2023 NDAA to please consider correcting the records of the troops that you punished and please consider uh, allowing reinstatement. Uh, the Department of Defense, uh, by and large, has not done that. Um, they have uh, offered uh, soldiers, uh, depending on the service, letters uh, inviting them back in, but making them go through an onerous process where they'll have to uh, apply to come in with all kinds of conditions. It would be very, very lengthy. And my, my personal professional opinion would be that that is not the way to handle a situation when it's actually the Department of Defense that implemented the program in violation of the Secretary of Defense's uh, implementation directive because they only had emergency use authorized EUA product and that required that the Department of Defense continue to be handling the program on a in a voluntary way. So what's the Congress trying to do this time? Now they're not putting it in the explanatory language. They're actually creating sections of the NDAA. Uh, Section 526 says consideration of reinstatement of members of the armed forces separated on the basis of refusal um, to the receive the vaccine. And so there's a provision uh, in the new law that's gonna allow them to be considered for reinstatement. Um, my personal feeling is when the Department of Defense breaks the law, wrongfully discharges these service members, uh, consideration is, is uh, overdue um, deference to the Department of Defense. They should be ordered to reinstate the service members if the service members want to come back in. They should probably go further and they should probably give them back time, back pay, um, and uh, favorable consideration for the next uh, promotion grade that they may have missed. 
Uh, bottom line is the Department of Defense was already asked nicely in 2023. Now we're going into 2024 and uh, the Congress is actually putting it in the law saying you have to consider reinstatement. Um, maybe they've got some kind of a handshake deal with the Department of Defense where they're actually going to fix it this time and really reinstate these guys. Um, uh, but time will tell. You wanted to say something, Dr. Lee. Go ahead. Well, I I think the personally looking at it from the outside, I think the language needs to be a lot stronger, not just they should consider, but I think Congress needs to order that the DOD correct the wrongs by making, by correcting the wrongful discharges that were labeled other than honorable for people who had exemplary careers. I think they need to do, as you said, those that wanted to come back in should be do, should be able to do so with all of the stipulations you just made. Those that have lost trust and don't wish to be readmitted to the military should actually have their records corrected and an honorable discharge if they had no blemishes on the disciplinary side, and they should have their benefits for retirement, GI benefits, and medical benefits reinstated. And Congress needs to, in my mind, the only way that's going to happen, given the rogue DOD, which is my word, not yours, I think the only way it's going to happen is for Congress to order it. Well, I agree. And so we're in total agreement on that. The Congress has to tell the Department of Defense to do it. They have to legislate it. They have to order them to do it. They asked them nicely last year. This time they're asking them to consider reinstatement. That's the wrong way to handle it. Uh, There is something called civilian control of the military. It's constitutionally uh, based Uh, The idea that the military has to do what our civilian elected leaders tell them to do. They have the power to do it. They should exercise that power primarily because the Department of Defense has essentially blown them off in the past. And uh, they they need to make sure that they are more firm and and make it very clear and don't give any any outs as far as giving discretion to the Department of Defense to review things on a case by case basis. All of these soldiers were upstanding, honorably serving uh, folks in the military prior to the mandate. They should all be returned to that same status if they so choose. And so since you mentioned records corrections, Um, As you know, we were successful in getting some records corrected. Basically, anybody that applies from the anthrax vaccine disaster 25 years ago, if you apply today to the Department of Defense uh, corrections boards um, using a Department of Defense Form 149 and ask for your less than fully honorable discharge to be upgraded, they will do it. They have been doing it for everyone because the Department Defense was told by the previous administrations to make sure that they uh, rectify errors, inequities, and injustices. And so everybody that's applied has been getting their discharges upgraded. So my website, uh, hopingforjustice.org, using the number four, uh, not spelled out, just the number, hopingforjustice.org, has those specific instructions on how to apply for corrections. 
So that's what the next section of the new NDAA says, Section 527, reviews characterization of administrative discharges of certain members on the basis of failure to receive the COVID vaccine. So um, the problem is, is, is once again, you're putting the uh, discretion into the Department of Defense for the corrections boards to take a look at these cases when in actuality it was the Department of Defense that in my opinion, absolutely broke the law, patently illegal conduct by the senior military leadership and all subordinate leaders that um, implemented the program. Um, but, but even if you don't buy that, or even if we don't have a court ruling that says that, take a look at the, at the uh, chief of staff, I'm sorry, the secretary of defense directive. It says that these young Americans serving our country were supposed to have only FDA approved labeled product. They didn't, not a single one of them and throughout the deadlines of the mandate and therefore the Secretary of Defense memorandum and implementation order was violated. They should go back and unilaterally, universally correct all of these young people's records uh, anybody who was given a general under honorable conditions, uh, if they don't want to come back in, they just get their honorable discharge and they get their educational benefits back. If they want to come back in, similarly, they get that discharge uh, upgraded to fully honorable. And there shouldn't be any caveats like, well, there may have been other tangential misconduct type of things that happened with these uh, soldiers. My feeling is this, and my experience is this, the military has an absolutely um, embarrassing uh, track record of creating a tangential track record of misconduct when somebody takes on an issue like this. What they thought was just a COVID vaccine refusal suddenly becomes charges for disrespect, charges for uh, insubordination, and therefore the military could use that as a basis to not upgrade their discharge. Any situation like that where any kind of uh, tangential um, allegations were um, uh, incident to the COVID vaccine refusal should similarly be expunged from a, a service member's record. Um, so uh, do I think that the NDA is going in the right direction? Yeah, they're, they're, they're trying to get characterizations of discharges um, uh, uh, fully upgraded to, to uh, honorable that's good. But the problem is the Department of Defense already played with the decision-making cycles of the United States Congress. They already got the Congress to uh, pass um, the, the previous law that basically authorized general discharges for uh, COVID vaccine uh, refusals, as long as they were honorable. The law basically said that they had to be honorable discharges. The Congress was um, had some great foresight. They knew that this was going to be a problem. They passed a law, I believe it was the NDA uh, from 2022, that specifically said um, that any discharge had to be honorable. Uh, and, uh, you know, the bottom line is uh, the Department of Defense ended up playing a game with that and they gave people general under honorable conditions. So it was a, another sneaky maneuver by the Department of Defense. Unfortunately, I feel like the Congress was played. Um, I feel like the Congress was played last year because they asked nicely. I'm afraid the Congress is going to be played again this year because now they're putting it in the law, but they're still giving the Department of Defense the opportunity to 
run the process. And and, and and we really need to emphasize the importance of getting public pressure on Congress to make this tighter, make it an order, not an option. And that's really critical. Let's take a break and we'll be right back after the break to talk further about how does the DOD actually have ways of exercising such undue influence over Congress to the detriment of our service members. This is Dr. Lee for America with the Whistleblower Report from Truth for Health Foundation. Check out our website at www.truthforhealth.org and look at all of our military resources, our vaccine injury resources, our COVID treatment resources, and our health and resilience resources, as well as our new Truth for Health Foundation store with exclusive professional formulas for products manufactured in the U.S. in a certified good manufacturing practices compliant facility that can help improve your health and well-being. We'll be right back after the break. Check out the new Truth for Health store at truthforhealthstore.com. We have exclusive professional formulas with exciting new products, including True Mitochondrial Boost that can help improve your energy, memory, focus, and concentration. All of our products are manufactured in certified compliant facility using good manufacturing practices approved and inspected by the FDA. Check us out, www.truthforhealthstore.com. Welcome back to the second half of the Whistleblower Report. This is Dr. Lee for America with the Military Report, and I'm here with my guest, Colonel Tom Remfer, U.S. Air Force combat veteran pilot and now retired as a colonel in the U.S. Air Force at that rank and now a commercial airline pilot, still helping Americans in so many ways and spending his spare time helping our current service members have justice served. Check out his website hoping for the number four justice.org. Colonel Remfer, let's talk about the uh, a bit of history and practice that perhaps the American public doesn't realize. What are some of the ways that the Department of Defense exerts, I would say, undue influence in Congress that the public may not even be aware of when in fact it is Congress that is supposed to have oversight, civilian oversight of the military through our constitutional checks and balances. Yeah, that's a great question, Dr. Lee, because how did we get in, in this place where uh, my personal professional opinion is that uh, the Congress is being manipulated um, uh, how did we get to that to that place? 
Um, part of the answer is, is that there's a great deal of uh, influence peddling that occurs within the halls of Congress on Capitol Hill by the Department of Defense. The Department of Defense has a congressional liaison office um, between the personnel that, that are there. I've actually asked how many people are working there on Capitol Hill. You cannot get an answer. Um, and they have people working as defense fellows in the senators and representatives uh, office. They have uh, um, defense liaisons. Um, for the most part, if, unless uh, policies have changed, every Department of Defense active duty member that I have ever met with in the halls of Congress was wearing civilian clothing. Um, most of the time, uh, and over the course of 1998 through um, uh, 2006 time frame. I did a lot of trips to Capitol Hill and most all the time I was met by a nice professional staffer in civilian clothing, clothing. And I would say three quarters of the time I would ask them, do you work for the Department of Defense? And they would say that I'm a staffer for the senator, but yes, I'm an active duty Navy officer, Air Force officer. Now, I want to, in you know, to be gracious to those folks. These are good Americans that are having a great opportunity to, to learn about our system of government and to have an opportunity to be in uh, in the halls of Congress and and in helping out our senators and our representatives. Um, but when I dealt with my particular issue, um, it was problematic. Um, I was able to win many of them over, uh, even though they were Department of Defense uh, employees. Uh, simply by showing them uh, my documents, which I would point out were actually Department of Defense documents before they changed their story. Um, so my position always was the Department of Defense's original position before they suddenly said that the anthrax vaccine was safe, effective, and FDA approved. Previously, they were saying it was inadequate, investigational, had safety problems, um, needed to get a new licensure. It never did get a new licensure until we sued and the federal courts agreed it's not even licensed by the Food and Drug Administration. So uh, my point being that the folks that are working there in Congress are good people, but they are working for the Department of Defense and they are there to advance the Department of Defense's um, agenda. Uh, in the case of COVID vaccinations, the Department of Defense agenda uh, is to um, hopefully not have the mandate get outlawed by Congress. They didn't win that one. Um, hopefully to not have the Congress order them to correct people's records because there is a process within the Department of Defense to do that. Um, and, and that's where we're at. Right now we're at a point where um, they've successfully, in my opinion, hoodwinked the Congress into not firmly asserting its civilian oversight over the mil military, which is absolutely required by our constitutional foundations. And so I, I, I what I kind of want to do is just take a little bit of, of a step back in history, even preceding our, our anthrax vaccine dilemma. And I want to remind your listeners that there were a lot of excellent, um, uh, diligent elected representatives back in the 90s that were trying to get to the bottom of Gulf War illness. And we're trying to get to the bottom of this, these decades of service members being mistreated, uh, whether it was radiation testing, Agent Orange, uh, a variety of other things that the Senate Veterans Health um, Committee had discovered. They, they knew that there was a bad track record with the Department of Defense. And so they actually published a, a Senate report called 
called uh, Senate Report 103-97. And I don't really even have to, um, to read the whole report to you, but I'm going to read a couple titles of the, of the various um, sections. You know, one, one, the very first section is titled, For at least 50 years, DOD, the Department of Defense, intentionally exposed military personnel to potentially dangerous substances, often in secret. And the next section is titled, DOD has repeatedly failed to comply with the required ethical standards when using human subjects in military research during war or threat of war. Um, and then I'm going to take you to another um, another letter by Senator Shelby. Um, uh, and, and by the way, that previous report was Senator Rockefeller, and it was actually an approved Senate report. Um, Senator Shelby, another uh, senator, from that same era, in one of his letters, um, uh, he he basically said, I'm gonna read it to you so I don't get it wrong. While I have not yet determined the reason for this apparent aversion to full disclosure by DOD, the staff working on this issue from our committee has been constantly challenged by the department's evasiveness, inconsistency, and reluctance to work toward a common goal here. Mr. President, I am alarmed at the Persian Gulf medical records. I can only conclude, I'm jumping down a sentence, that when dealing with the Department of Defense on this issue, you have to ask the right question to receive the right answer. I do not believe they understand that we are only seeking the truth in a way to help our veterans. This is the backdrop. And I think that for our current elected representatives and their staffs, I would embrace that military member that is in civilian clothing working next to you, but I would also make sure that you're aware who they're really working for. Um, I think it would be healthy if we got rid of the congressional liaison office and removed the lobbying arm of the Department of Defense from the Congress, and maybe we wouldn't have these problems. I think it would be a great idea if these military members working on Capitol Hill were actually wearing their uniforms so that the American people and the congressional uh, employees, staff, representatives, senators actually realized the enormous Department of Defense present, the presence that there is on Capitol Hill. I think it's dangerous. I think it's unhealthy. It's led to things like this, where they implemented orders that were in violations of the laws that were enacted by the Congress in order to protect soldiers. So as a result of Senator Shelby, Senator Rockefeller, they created those laws in Congress for our troops, Section 1107, to, for the first time ever in the 1997-1998 timeframe to protect soldiers from being experimented upon with investigational or unapproved products. They did it because of this kind of, of cultural dysfunction that is going on with the Department of Defense when dealing with our Congress. Um, Congress, the legislature, they are one of the branches, three branches of our, of our government. The Department of Defense is not. The courts are one of our branches of government. The Department of Defense is not. The Department of Defense needs to be subordinate to our civilian authority. They need to do the job of protecting this nation 
And I think they need to be very careful about venturing into these realms that they do not have a good track record of. The Senate report affirms that. House Report 106-556 from my era, where the Congress came out and said, hey, what they're doing with this anthrax vaccine, it's illegal, it's experimental. They're violating the law that we put, they, we put in place. There is a track record. I think it would behoove our current elected representatives and their staffers to understand that history and to not be hoodwinked by the same kind of manipulations that these esteemed senators from decades and decades ago witnessed and tried to warn everybody about. Well, I completely agree with you. I think the, in many ways, the Department of Defense has known from the beginning of, of the rollout of the COVID shots that there were no fully approved products. And they knew at the time of the Biden administration mandate for the military to get the shots, the FDA approved fully licensed ones, they knew full well, there were no existing products of, the, of a fully licensed version anywhere available in the entire United States or overseas military bases for civilians or military service members. So they knew that. And they went ahead with the mandate anyway and the shadow policies that harmed our service members. It just is makes me outraged as a civilian when the civilian world depends upon the integrity and the fitness and the readiness and the strength and the discipline of our U.S. military to defend freedom for all of us. And here the service members' own constitutional rights were being grossly abused and they were subjected to all of this persecution and punishment on these shadow policies, all being perpetrated by the bureaucratic agency, the Department of Defense, which you rightly pointed out is not a constitutionally identified agency. You know, and and there had to be an aha moment or, or, or at some point in the Department of Defense in the fall of 2021, maybe they initially believed they were going to get FDA approved product for the troops. It didn't happen. Any sound military operation, when you realize things aren't going your way, you have to know when to retreat. The military leadership should not have circled the wagons. The military leadership should have withdrawn, and they didn't. And that's one of the reasons why it's so important that now they exercise the courage and the humility to correct these records unilaterally without application from our soldiers. They need to do the right thing. All of our rhetoric in the military, which I believe in, by the way, and, and did for my 32 years in the military, I believe in the honor code. I believe in the oath of office. I believe in the core values, all of those standards that we have for our military, I believe in those things. And our subordinate members of the military need to see our leadership humble themselves by fixing this universally, unilaterally, without playing a game with the corrections boards, which can, which can take you know, at, at least a year, probably two. In my case, it took uh, over 10 years 
Um, one of my colleagues that I helped to get a uh, fully upgraded uh, to fully honorable discharge. And, and uh, this is a young man who had been given a bad characterization of discharge, jail time, um, and demotions, and he got it all back to include a good conduct medal. Took 15 years. Absolutely unacceptable. We have record retention and recruitment problems. We have a, 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 an enormous trust problem right now with our military leadership. Our military leadership can can turn that around by humbling themselves and making sure that the troops respect them because they have that moral courage. I think it's very, very um, important. And I'm, I'm gonna read to you just um, a, a, another concept that goes to those idea of having standards. In our military, there was a, uh, a Harvard uh, scholar, Samuel Huntington, uh, that wrote in the soldier and in the state, what does a military officer do when he is ordered by a statesman to take a measure which is militarily absurd when judged by professional standards? Huntington answered that question and he said, the existence of professional standards, like those honor codes, justifies military disobedience. Well, the professional standard for the COVID vaccine mandate was the SECDEF directive and the military violated that directive. So it did justify military disobedience by our troops in refusing it. Matter of fact, it really wasn't even disobedience. They were just asking for their right. They were just exercising their rights under the law. And oh, by the way, they were acting in accordance with the uh, manual for court martial and not following a patently illegal order. The other, the other one I, I wanted to mention to you was, you know, the previous quote was from a Harvard scholar. Let's talk about military guidance, military pamphlets published by the military, used to be handed out to West Point uh, uh, cadets. And a quote from that Armed Forces Officer pamphlet says, within our school of military thought, Higher authority does not consider itself infallible, either in combat or out. In any situation where a majority of military trained Americans becomes undutiful, that is sufficient reason for higher authority to resurvey its judgments, disciplines, and line of action. Dr. Lee, I'm here to tell you, 25 years ago, that applied. Today, it applies even more um, importantly, because the damage was so much greater in our military. They discharged so many more people. But that's right off of a Department of Defense pamphlet. They know that there's times when they need to resurvey their judgments, disciplines, and line of action. Now is the time. If they're unwilling to do it, the Congress should change the language of the NDAA to force them to do it. If there's not enough time this year, despite the legions of service members that have been asking them to do it so, then once we get to the NDAA for 2025, one year from now, I hope Congress once and for all, for a third time, has learned its lesson and orders the Department of Defense to correct the records unilaterally, universally, without application, full restitution. Well, that's a powerful statement. I think it's 
absolutely correct. I think it's urgently needed. And quite frankly, if they don't stand firm against the DOD's actions now, it may be too late for the military to recover from the loss of trust, the loss of service members, and the fact that people are not willing to join the volunteer military now when they've seen this treatment of our service members, our volunteer force being treated this way has really decimated retention and recruiting and affected our, our military readiness dramatically at a very challenging and difficult and alarming time with the tensions around the world. So thank you, Colonel Remfer, for giving us this call to action and this analysis of what needs to be done to help restore our military honor, integrity, transparency, and military readiness. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Dr. Lee. And for all of you, please take a moment, call your congressional representatives and urge them to strengthen the language in the NDAA 2024 to help protect and preserve our military service members and their rights. They are the ones who defend all of us. Thank you for joining us on the Whistleblower Report today. Join our crusade, check out our website, sign up for our email alerts, and please, if you can, donate to support our charity and our Legal Defense Fund. We have helped many, many service members with legal defense grants when they were facing such egregious action against them. We ask all of you to please consider donating to support our mission to defend freedom for all of us. We'll be back again. Thank you for joining us.